This is Chris from Play Comics, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 164, Pop Culture Holiday Traditions. Brian, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Uh, Derek, this week, you know, we're going to be talking about um, yearly holiday pop culture traditions, and I've got a few of them. I just can't wait to get into this. Uh, but first, what's new in pop culture in your world, my friend? Well, Chris, thank you. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Good to talk to you again. Another Always week. Is. Yeah, we're getting closer and closer to Christmas. Chris, you sent me a text earlier today, a couple of them, where he kept saying, "I can't wait to do the show. I can't wait to do the show. I can't wait to do the show." And I finally had to just send you a reply that said, "Hold, on. slow down, there, Chris. It's a podcast about Christmas. It's not actually Christmas." So you're clearly excited about this topic, and I, I got a lot to talk about before we get there. So you're gonna have to be patient and hold yeah. on a little bit longer. I'll do my best. Okay. Okay. So uh, as we are approaching Christmas. I have had some additional time to take in some more pop culture. And as I think we've mentioned on the show before, uh, from time to time, we get complimentary movie channels. And once again, we have those around the Christmas time this year. And so, of course, my PVR is filling up with great stuff. So I've been trying to madly watch things on my PVR just so I can clear space to record more things on my PVR. So... In a previous show not too long ago, we talked about Sean Connery, and I told you that on my PVR, I have The Man Who Would Be King from 1975, starring Sean Connery and Michael Caine, Mm -hmm. and I finally had a chance to watch it. Oh, you did? How would you think of it? I loved it. I thought it was great. Yes. It's It's, good. uh, It it was really good. Yeah. I I mean, I I was a little disappointed because in when we reviewed the movie as you you spoiled it. But I mean, the movie's 40 or 50 years old. Like, come on, if I haven't seen it by now. So I think if I had not already known the ending, I might have it might have had that little bit extra oomph. For sure. But what I did find interesting was the movie begins in like when the movie begins at the end, he, at the end and then yeah. he, he he gives a little expository and then it's a flashback so mm-hmm. after the movie ended I actually rewound it i started at the beginning again and i watched the first 10 minutes a second time having just watched the whole story and went oh okay i get it and it uh, you know it was things at the beginning that didn't necessarily mean anything to me but i found that that really helped uh, sort of put the little you know Christmas bow on yeah. the top of it, but no, I really enjoyed it, and I would strongly recommend it. You had it as your number one Sean Connery movie, oh, and I totally so understand good, why. Man, it, uh, it, it was quite you know what it is. It's a hidden gem. I think it's yes. It's an absolutely epic and unbelievable film that not a lot of people know about. I didn't realize it was based on a book by Rudyard Kipling, who yes. many people probably know best from his work, The Jungle Book, which right. was a Disney cartoon and which people know and love. And I even enjoyed the fact that one of the characters in the story is Rudyard Kipling, yes. which I thought was a little bit meta and, and kind of made me smile. So that was that was interesting. So that was my first thing. I had to watch that to get it off the PVR. Then. Uh, as is the season, I'm sure we're going to get into this a lot more later. Uh, my wife has been recording all sorts of Christmas movies. And one of the nice. ones that just came out last year, it premiered on the on HBO this summer. So she recorded it and said, I'm going to wait till Christmas to watch it, is called Last Christmas, loosely based on the lyrics of the George Michael song. And it's starring uh, Amelia Clark, who was uh, Khaleesi on the Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, and the gentleman whose name I can't remember his first name, Golding, I think is his last name, who was the main guy in Crazy rich Asians is, oh my God, he has got to be the most beautiful Asian man I've ever seen. Oh my, my, my. Um, it was actually pretty good. It was, it was, okay, so let me, let me say this. If you watch a movie that's called The Man Who Goes to Prison and the movie is about a court case, what would you expect happens at the end of that movie? Um, tell me. Well, I would assume if it's called The Man Who Goes to Prison and it's a court case, yeah. by the end of the movie, the guy's guilty. He's going to prison. It tells you right in the title. Right. But so with this movie, Last Christmas, it's based – and they make no bones about it. It's based on the song by George Michael. So if you've heard the song and know the lyrics, there should be no surprises in this movie. Yet 
we watched it, and at the end, my wife's like, oh my god, I didn't see that coming at all. And I'm thinking, really? I knew that 10 seconds into the movie, but it was fun. I mean, it's it's not necessarily going to be the best Christmas movie ever, but it was worth watching. And I mean, hey, the, the, the two leads are beautiful people, so you know, it never hurts with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, that was pretty decent. Uh, third thing I watched, again, just to get off my PVR, mm-hmm. Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't one. seen that, it in a while. Was, yeah, it was pretty good. Danny Boyle film won the Oscar for best best picture. Uh, you know, it'd been a few years since I saw it, but it was on one of the channels. I recorded it. I watched it back a few nights ago, and I'm like, man, I really forgot how good that movie is. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was quite good. Mm-hmm. And then, now, uh, well, hold on a second here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. Um, is there any chance you might have a documentary for us this week? Well, it's funny you should bring that up. That was the next thing on my list. Oh, good, good. Because I wanted to mention, like, if you remember a couple weeks ago, Luke Martin, our good buddy, reached out to us and mentioned, hey, Derek didn't have a documentary this week. What's going on? And then I mentioned a documentary, and then you came back the next week with, you know, another documentary uh, review. And then Robbie Baseball, our good buddy, Robbie Rose, if you remember from the Dingers podcast. Yep. Uh, he was on when he did the um, the Mighty, Mighty Ducks, Ducks with us, right? Yep. And then, you know, he reached out to me, and he suggested that, you know, this should be an ongoing regular segment on the show you know you doing documentaries Derek's documentary and he suggested that I write a song you know Uh-oh. to introduce <laughs> just give me a minute will you before you start laughing at me you know he mentioned I should write a song and do like a little drop for your introduction to your new segment for documentaries so, so I did it so I thought I would just bring us in so coming into Derek's documentaries as a new segment on the show here you go for 40 days and 40 nights, he watches documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's Documentaries. Derek's Documentaries. Derek, take it away. Tell us your documentary. So, I, I got a comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said, the first thing that came to mind when you're like, theme song, I was thinking like the theme to Wayne's World. to be like, Derek's Docs! Derek's Docs! Party time! Excellent! <laughs> That's more what I was expecting. I went a different Yours way. Yours was more the, this is grandma's version of an intro, <laughs> sort of mellowly on the piano. So in any case, use, use mine. I'm sure we're recording this. Use mine next time. Okay. But I appreciate the effort. Oh, and thanks to the suggestion. Okay. So with all that buildup, <laughs> I got a documentary that like half the listeners are going to be like, we don't give a crap. So <laughs> the documentary is called Game Master. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Game Game Master. Master. One word. Okay. Like Master of the Game. Game Master. One word. Um, It's from this year, 2020. It was on Amazon Prime. And it's about the board game industry. And they talk about like the, the, how board games have become so popular. Like we're essentially in a board game renaissance right now. And things like Kickstarter and crowdfunding have made uh, made it easy for pretty much anyone with an interesting concept to get funding and do a, sh- a small run of, of a unique board game that they, they have in mind. And through the course of the documentary, they talk to board game creators who are known for like all of the, the most popular board games on the market right now. Um, and they talk to people who have won awards for their board game creations. They, they have segments done at the big Gen Con gaming convention that ha- happens in Indianapolis in the U S they have the big, you go to that every Europe. year, just about every year. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually they were there for Gen Con 50, which was a couple of years ago. And I was there for Gen Con 50. So while I'm watching it, I'm looking in the background mm-hmm. for people I know, or even myself walking by. Cause some of the interviews are done like on the game floor and like nice. in the hallways. I didn't see myself. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting. Uh, so like I have some friends that are slowly getting into board gaming simply because in the COVID world, you can't really do a lot else. You can only have like small groups of one or two people over. And Mm -hmm. so some of my friends have becoming a little more educated on current, more modern board games. And so they've been watching these, this documentary and they were, they would call me and ask me, Oh, do you know about this? And we tried that. And well, they, they were interviewing the person who created Quirkle. And I'm like, which is one of my, my games of me, people love and settlers of Catan guy and the pandemic guy. So it's uh, no, it's, it's quite good. And then part of the documentary is they, they follow the story of four games 
game creators who are in the process of creating their own game, but they're all sort of from different demographics. And so it's interesting to hear that side of it as well. Um, they really try to do a good job of, of talking about the highs and lows of the board gaming industry and how they're trying to make it more inclusive for, you know, more than just white dudes. They're trying to get more women involved. They're trying to get more people of visible minorities involved. They're trying to get more people from LGBT community involved. And they talk to people who are game creators and how do you, how do you reach those audiences with, with board gaming? And, uh, no, it's, it's, it was quite good. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's my documentary, uh, rec reco from the, for the week It's called game master. One word it's on Amazon prime. And it's from this year, 2000. Well, we're uh, gonna that's take, all I got for now. Well, we'll take us out of that with for 40 days and 40 nights, watch documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's documentaries. Derek's documentaries. Good job, bud. Um, I was going to mention something. If you keep something. using that intro, I'm going to stop watching documentaries. <laughs> I wanted to mention one thing of pop culture myself before we get into our topic. As you know, there's been a lot of really cheesy movies made in this world. But I think I found one that actually takes the cake. It's called A Recipe for Seduction. Derek, have you heard of this or have you seen the trailer for it? Is that from that adult website that we're not supposed to admit we ever go to? But no, no, no I know you go different. to quite frequently. This is a love story about a young, wait for it, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Oh, I heard about this. It's, it's got the with, guy from Saved by the Bell. Yeah, Mario Lopez plays him, and he's got like the. the, the I, thought it was, I thought it was an Onion article. I didn't think it was real. No, I know. It looks like something from Mad TV. Like, I don't know if it's, it's supposed cool. to be in the vein of Sharknado, you know, where it's so campy, you know, that that's the point, you know. But, oh, man, I tell you. Um, I, would, I would say, you know, it's a love story about Colonel Sanders. Because if there's anyone in history that people care about his love life, it's the founder of KFC. <laughs> you know, like, everyone wants it. Like, was he a strong lover? You know, was he finger-licking good? Oh, my, my, my. All I know is that oh. this thing is going to suck. <laughs> that is for sure. Oh, but you know what? You know what doesn't suck? My oh, dad jokes. Here's your dad joke of the week. Just trying to keep things sort of on, uh, you know, kind of on topic. Derek, what kind of a ghost haunts a KFC? Um, the ghost of Colonel Sanders. I don't know. A poultry geist. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> really? That's I can think that. of 11 reasons not to like that. <laughs> Two of which you know are salt and pepper. A little Canadian show called Shit's Creek. You can say Shit's Creek, but you can't say Wow, you are really dating yourself here, bud. Shit's Creek is awesome as What are you talking about? Have you not seen Ryan Reynolds' film career? Apparently my son has no soul. Just you're not recording this, are you? No, no, never. Like, that's that's criminal. I know. <laughs> we basically have the same bone structure. From the waist up, I presume. Most people won't question it. It's all ball bearings now. Alrighty, Derek. So this week we're talking about pop culture holiday traditions. It's the holiday season. Christmas is around the corner. We're heading into the, you know, the holidays. And so every year, at least for me anyway, I love Christmas. I'm like a little kid inside, as you know. And... Every year, I have certain traditions that I have done ever since I was a little kid, and they generally revolve around pop culture because, you know, two of my favorite things in this world are pop culture and Christmas, so what better way than to match them together? So I thought it'd be really good if we got together this week and we talked about some of the holiday traditions from a pop culture point of view that we've had over the years and then share them with people. So uh, you're all on board for this? You're ready to go? Sure. I mean, I don't think I have nearly as many pop culture pop culture traditions as perhaps you do, but I, I rack my brain over the last week or two and I, I think I've come up with a couple and I kind of think we may have a little overlap on some sure. of them, but but let's see where this goes. Oh, that'll be fun. Okay, so one of my first ones, and it's an obvious one. I'm going to start with an obvious one, and that's Christmas holiday specials. Ever since I was a kid, and I mean, who hasn't? You know, like, I just, I've loved watching, you know, animated Christmas specials on TV every year, you know? And it, it, the thing is, it's also one of the few things that's remained a constant 
as I've become an, an adult. And there's just, I wouldn't say there's a few things that I loved as a kid that I still love as an adult. You know, there's quite a few things cause I'm just like a big kid, but all those things that I think that I really loved as a kid that I still love now pretty much have to do with pop culture, you know, and that's kind of the recurring theme around here on the podcast anyway. But as it relates to holiday traditions, like I, I just love these animated specials, but there's three in particular that have always stood out to me. So the first one is a Charlie Brown Christmas. And the thing is, I, I pull different things out of this show than some people do. Like everyone always remembers the tree, right? Cause it, it embodies the underdog, you know, that is Charlie Brown. But some things on this show, on this special, I really like Snoopy eating the dog bones when he's eating them like snacks. You know, that part I always laugh at. And I love when Snoopy dances with his nose up in the air. And then probably my favorite part is Linus's speech that he gives about the meaning of Christmas. And the thing is, like, I'm not overly religious, but I've, I've always liked that speech that he gives. Remember, he comes out and he says, and the angel said unto them, fear not. Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy. I don't know. There's just something about I, the I always just assumed that was a verse from the Bible. Yeah. Is it not a direct Bible quote? I think it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not yeah. qualified to make that determination, but given the, the flavor of the mm-hmm. language, that was always my assumption. I just like it because it's like that's what Christmas is all about. And it's sort of it kind of cuts through, you know, all the commercialism. And that's what the tree symbolizes, too. So I've always liked Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is another one. I mean, I like Rudolph and I like Yukon Cornelius. He's awesome, too. But I absolutely love Hermie the elf, the elf that wants to be the dentist, his voice, his mannerisms, there's like the shyness, the fact that he's a misfit. It's just, it's just such a great message for kids to hear that, it, you know, it's okay to be different, you know, and not only is, is it okay to be different, it can make you special. I, I love the message behind Rudolph. I, oh, it's one of my favorites. And then my favorite of all, how the Grinch stole Christmas. I'm talking about not that, you know, that crappy live action one with Jim Carrey, that stupid abomination. I'm talking about the animated special with Boris Karloff, you know, and the guy that did the voice of Tony the Tiger, remember Thurl Ravenscroft? I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. Oh God, that's so good. Do you watch these three every year? Do you watch any other ones? Frosty's pretty good too, but those three are like the best. Do you agree? So I've never seen the Grinch who Christmas. It just looked dumb. What? Uh, wait, never had wait, any desire to watch it whatsoever. Back the, the movie truck or up. the cartoon. Back the truck up. Hold on. You've never seen the 30 minute animated How the Grinch Stole Christmas? No. I mean, I know what it's about. I've seen little bits and pieces over the years. Never been something I've been interested in watching. And I, I don't feel known, like I've ever missed out by not watching it. I have known you for 25 years and I feel like this is a moment. This is just a moment here. It's like, oh my God, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. I, I can't believe that's like, how I feel every week when you don't <laughs> like a good movie. So throwing that getting, right back at you, bud. Taste of my own medicine here, I guess. I don't know. How can you not? I don't understand. It's not only how can you not like The Grinch, how can you have never seen it? I don't understand. This, this was such a big part of my childhood. Like, and they would always play during the week. It'd be around like seven or eight o'clock at night on prime time on one of the you know, one of the stations, CBS or ABC or NBC. Oh man, how have you never seen this? I don't know. I just I remember watching all these things when I was a little kid and like sort of thinking, meh, they're just okay. So most of them I've only ever seen like once or twice. Like that, uh, the Charlie Brown one I've seen a few times because I can remember in my grade school they did like the play, like they turned it into a play where everybody, that's how I always remember that that speech we were talking about, the Linus speech. I remember one of my buddies was Linus and he was like dreading having to do this this speech where he's in, unto they, blah, blah, blah. And that's that's why I was just assumed it was a Bible thing because I had heard it so many times from him rehearsing it. But yeah, no, I don't know. I just the, the Christmas specials. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm sure as a little little kid, I probably watched them many times, but they obviously didn't leave a strong enough impact on me because I don't really remember them that well. And as an adult, I've never really had any desire to go back and watch them again. Man, these TV specials have been an important part of the holidays right through my entire life. I I have such great memories as a kid just watching these TV specials when I was like seven years old, and now with my own kids. But the thing is. Even all those years in between, like even when I was single and I was working at the bar and stuff, I always took time to watch the animated TV specials. And for years, I watched them alone. 
but I, I still watch them every single year. It just it's that this is one of the most important holiday traditions for me from a pop culture point of view. So, man, I can't wow. believe I, I think if I had Jeez. kids of my own, that would be a different like, you know, I, I think that's one of the things about b- becoming a parent is you get mm. to relive these memories or re-experience these things with your children and through their eyes. And I got to think that that is a whole other emotional level. But. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't have children, so that was never a thing. Which is not to say that I don't watch cartoons and other children's programming no, on a regular basis, because I totally do. But for me, those the, the the Christmas cartoons to me, the reason I know them now is because I watch shows like Robot Chicken and Family Guy, where they parody those things in a way that makes me laugh because they parody them in a very inappropriate way. Like there was a whole Christmas special of Robot Chicken where they they did the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer one with the they had the same style of like the claymation and like Rudolph had the red nose because he was a cocaine addict and the abominable snowman was so abominable because he was swallowing condoms of cocaine and they were bursting in his stomach. Again, absolutely not what this original cartoon was ever intended to be but when you get someone who's sort of my age demographic and you give them a little bit of money and you say we want you to make something that's going to make people laugh that concept made me laugh and it it was you know that's sort of where where my mind goes with a lot of these now is they're just fodder for satire and comedy um and that that's sort of my familiarity with them no the abominable snowman is just supposed to be that he's so tall he's the one that can reach up and put the star on the top of the tree not swallowing condoms full of he's not a drug mule i don't know man Jeez, I, I tell you, it, we'll agree to disagree on that i one. think you are the grinch that's why you haven't <laughs> seen it you're in it so oh, so man. as far as tv oh. I wouldn't go so far as to call them Christmas specials, but there's a couple of shows that have Christmas episodes that it's not Christmas for me unless I've had a chance to see them. Uh, specifically this week, oh, I've Which ones do you like? So The Big Bang Theory was on TV for many seasons. And uh, the first couple of seasons, in my mind, the show was not great because I felt that it was really the joke was that they were nerdy. And then as the show got a little more popular and and they went on, they started to you know, incorporate in such a way that that it wasn't so much laughing at the nerds as much as laughing with the nerds and making sort of geek became chics through the course of the life of that show. But anyway, that's a whole other side conversation. But in any case, they do a really good job most years of doing a Christmas special. And one of the first ones they did, which was in their second season, um, was when they did a gift exchange and uh, Penny gives Sheldon a napkin with Leonard Nimoy's signature on it. And if if you've never seen the episode, I don't want to ruin it too much because it is hilarious. And we just watched it a couple of nights ago. It was on again. And it's got to be one of my all time top five favorite episodes of the Big Bang Theory. Just it's it hits on all levels. The stories with all the characters are great and it's all Christmas related. It's all about gift giving. And he, he jokes. He's like, you haven't given me a gift. You've given me an obligation. But because you've given me a gift now, I have to give you a gift and it has to be of the approximate same value. And if I don't know what you're getting me, then I don't know what to get you. And so it's this interesting way to sort of look at it from that sort of social commentary point of view, but wrapped up in humor. And it's it's you know, at the end of it, it's it's the whole thing of. Uh, you know, you just give it to someone because you think that they're going to like it. You're not worried about the reciprocity that comes with it. So that that one is one for me is the Big Bang Theory uh, season two Christmas special was season two, episode 11, where she, they, she gives them the Leonard Nimoy napkin. And then one that came out a few years later, it, it crosses genres for me. It's one of the ones where the guys are playing Dungeons and Dragons at Christmas and they're doing a Christmas themed Dungeons and Dragons game. Okay. And at the end of the adventure, uh, Sheldon, instead of trying to rescue Santa, attacks the other p- players in the game and then leaves Santa for the ogres because he's mad that when he was young, he asked Santa to bring him a particular gift and Santa didn't bring it. And so Sheldon's had all this pent up hostility over all <laughs> these years. And when he finally gets a chance in the game to get revenge on Santa, he does. And then, of course, with this show, they always go to a commercial with like one or two minutes left in the show. And then when they come back for those last two minutes, uh, Sheldon hears someone in the in the apartment and he comes out and it's Santa. And he's like, oh, my God, Santa, you're here. And basically it's Santa then taking revenge on Sheldon for leaving him to fend for himself against all those ogres. And so it was again, it's just one of these ones where I'm a big D&D nerd I'm a, <laughs> and the Big Bang Theory is one of my favorite shows. So it's like it crosses all of that. So those are my two TV Christmas shows that I, I it's not Christmas unless I've seen those two episodes. Didn't you write a Christmas themed D&D module? Well, it just so happened I did. And it's funny you bring that up because that was a good segue. So one of my Christmas traditions is to uh, play 
Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. Well, oh, I mean, okay, that's, cool. a, that's a weekly tradition for me. Right. But around Christmas time, there's mm-hmm. a couple of things. So obviously we're not going to get to do it this year in the way we've typically done it because right. we can't all get together. But uh, a few years ago, um, I had an opportunity to put together uh, an adventure module and I decided to do a Christmas theme adventure. And so every year at Christmas, I make a point of of volunteering to run this adventure at our local stores. And, and so with my peer groups, because I play D&D with a lot of different groups, uh, those that have not yet played it, uh, I have a chance to do it. And I'm actually um, started running it just this week. Week, it, it takes you know the, the the game slots we play now are only about two and a half hours um just based on real life you know people have kids and jobs so they can't play as long in one sitting as they used to so we've had to break it up over two weeks but i'm running my my christmas adventure right now for my one of my groups we started it earlier this week and we're going to finish it next week it's called winter wonderland so for those of you who are at all nerdy or gamey if you have a dm's guild account winter wonderland check it out it's got a picture of uh, a giant snowman lording over Santa Claus uh, on the cover. And uh, yeah, I, I drew from some of those Christmas themed TV shows you talked about mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, in order to, to populate the story of my module. I wanted to to, to lean on that a little bit. And uh, so that that's something that I do every Christmas. And the other one is between Christmas and New Year's, I usually take a couple of days off of work. And I have a fair uh, a fair number of friends who either don't have kids or their kids are old enough that they don't have to be with them all the time. And so I usually have one or two day marathon where I have people come over to my house and we have a few drinks and we order some pizzas and we stay overnight and we just do a nonstop Dungeons Dragons marathon for two days. And it's been dubbed Amaron Con. And so for people oh, cool. who follow me on Twitter, mm-hmm. my handle is Amaron underscore DN. And that's the Amaron is the name of one of my old D&D characters from way back when. And so someone in the first year they did it they're like it's like a mini convention we're gonna call this amaron con nice. and so i've done it like five or six years in a row so those are my sort of my two dungeons and dragons uh uh christmas pop culture traditions which obviously don't apply to everybody but uh, that that's part of the way i nerd it up over the christmas time well going back to your christmas themed tv episode you mentioned yes this should come as no surprise the tv themed uh, or the christmas themed uh tv episodes that i like are old so let me guess happy days and love boat happy days in season one uh the cunninghams find out that fonzie is going to be alone for christmas so they invite him over and then another one that i really liked was it was later on it was when fonzie has the three girls in his in his place for christmas and the sailor comes by with the gift and the letter from fonzie's dad Vito fonzarelli that one was really good um cheers had a christmas uh, episode too where norm had a part-time job as a department store Santa Claus. I remember that one. And I would think probably my favorite Christmas-themed TV episode is, of no surprise, WKRP in Cincinnati. This is one where everyone wanted to go home for Christmas. They don't even want to do the the office Christmas party, except Jennifer. Jennifer's the only one. She's like, no, we got to do the party. So everyone thinks that she's doing this because she doesn't want to be alone for Christmas. And then Venus is dressed up like this hip Santa Claus. And I remember Herb wants to give Jennifer her Christmas goose. <laughs> and and of course, they all go to her apartment and Jennifer's senior citizen boyfriend shows up at the end to, to take her away. She's going to Paris or something like that. And her boyfriend is played by George Gaines. Remember Commandant Lassard from yes. Police Academy? Yeah. From Tootsie. Wasn't he in Tootsie? And he was in Tootsie. Yeah, he was. He was the, the lecherous guy who kissed all the ladies? He was. He absolutely was. You're right. So, so yeah. So, those are the themes, uh, the Christmas episodes I always liked. Uh, what I want to mention, and I've never really shied away from embarrassing myself on the show, as you can tell, with the songs I sing and everything else. So, I got to mention Michael Buble. Now, I, it, it's not that I want to freely admit this or anything, but... Listening to, you know, sort of cheesy holiday music is, it's become a bit of a tradition lately. And the thing is, ever since I got married and had kids, like, you know, you got to give in and do things you don't always want to do, right? It just, it goes with the territory, right? And one of these traditions has become, you know, setting up the tree and then decorating it while we listen to cheesy Christmas music. Now, we always get a real tree. That's something I never did when I was growing up as a kid. But my wife always makes us get a real tree and we put on Christmas music. And I got to say, I think it, it, it seems like every December, once a year, 
Michael Bublé emerges from his hole and kind of rubs <laughs> his eyes, <laughs> you know, and, and like, you know, winces at the sun. And then he starts singing Christmas songs. And then he just goes back into his hole a few days later. It's a bit of a fascinating pop culture phenomenon, actually. But it's un- one, unfortunately, that I've had to become accustomed to the last couple of years. Uh, and so Michael Bublé has been a big thing for me the last couple of years. Oh, it's embarrassing. Do you have any other uh, music-related uh, well, Christmas you know, trees? Because I have one. I have one uh, if, if you don't. Well, and maybe this will lead into what you were going to say. I saw your wife actually post yeah, that's something. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Yeah, she yeah. posted something on social media about being wamboozled. And I got to tell you, I had no idea what she was talking about. But apparently this is a thing. You yes. want to d- explain to us w- yes. what it means to be wamboozled? Go ahead. So, Whamageddon. So, the song that we... So, earlier in the show, I talked about the movie Last Christmas, yeah. which is based largely and, and in no way loosely on the lyrics to the George Michael Christmas song, Last Christmas. And so, it is now a, a social media thing where uh, starting on December 1st, if you can go all the way from December 1st to December 25th without hearing the song last Christmas on the radio in your car on your on your Spotify account in a shopping mall or on a TV show or a commercial uh, or in a movie then you win you win the wham again unfortunately i don't know anybody who's been able to make it all the way through since this has become a thing inevitably people start to hear it creep up in places so um a couple of stories about this one. So my wife recorded the last Christmas movie when it premiered on HBO on, of all days, July 25th, exactly six months before Christmas this summer. And, of course. and she's like, I'll wait to watch it on Christmas. So a few weeks ago, we're like, hey, we should watch a Christmas movie. And I go, why don't you watch that one on your PVR? And she goes, nope, because they're going to play the song during the movie. And I haven't heard the song yet. And I don't want to whamageddon myself. And I'm like, OK, that's fair. And then. I'm on a, I'm on a call. Uh, it's actually, I was playing D and D that weekend. And what we were talking about, two of the guys were like, I got way already. And we're like, it's like the 4th of December. And the one guy said, yeah, we were on a staff meeting online. It was like 30 of us on the call and somebody cranked it up in the background and was like, for all you people playing the way you're all out. And it's like, screw you, man. Like you suck. And, uh, so anyway, my brother got us, uh, last week or the week before we were over at his house, uh, dropping some things off. And he was showing me his new portable Bluetooth speaker. And he goes, here, let me play you something. I was like, okay. And sure enough, he had that queued up. I was like, oh, you jerk. And so both my wife and I both heard it. And so she posted, she's like, we just got wham again by my brother-in-law. What a jerk. So yeah, when you hear it, you post to social media and you say, wham again, got me, I'm out. Is this uh, a new phenomenon? Because, like, uh, I mean, I'm a Gen X guy and I've, like, I mean, I've heard that song before, but I've never heard this as being like a thing. Uh, it's been a thing for a number of years. Uh, I, I don't know when it started. I'm sure the internet is a trove of information about how and when and where it got started, but it's it's a thing. And if you are not Whamageddon yet, don't watch the last Christmas movie because, spoiler, the song is played a lot in that movie. Um, so, yeah, that that's my that's my only real music tradition as far as Christmas. Well, there's obviously some movie traditions you know that we can touch base on and watching christmas movies during the holidays is something you know a lot of people do i do it too so here's what i'm going to do derek i'm going to run down a list of christmas movies okay and you just tell me if you regularly make it part of your holidays to watch them okay sure it's a wonderful life no no have have you seen it oh yeah a few times oh man but you don't watch it every year somewhere no, it's not one that I, honestly, Chris, I have a stack of about 30 Christmas movies. And mm-hmm. every year we go, we're going to watch all of these. And every year we watch like five of them. And that's not one that's made the list the last few years. Just because you have so many or just because just you because like I have so much? many. And usually there's just not enough time, although we don't really have that excuse, you know, in the covid world. Mm-hmm. But here we are, you know, more days, you know, only a week before Christmas. And I think I've only watched four or five Christmas movies. Well, it is a long one, too. I mean, it's a long movie. And it's funny. I just mentioned my wife the other day because she knows how much I love this movie. I watch it every year. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't like it. And I'm not saying I've never seen it. The opposite. I like it a lot. And I've seen it before. But it's not the top of my list where Christmas rolls around and that's the first one that goes in. And we'll talk about my picks later. Yeah, my wife doesn't like it that much. So we don't watch it. And a lot of times I have to watch it alone. But I, I it was always a tradition for me to watch that 
on Christmas Eve. And it, and it plays continuously on Christmas Eve. You can start watching it maybe 8 o'clock and it just runs all night long on all different channels. There was just something about that movie. I don't know, man. I, I usually, like, I'll admit it, I usually like tear up when I watch that movie. I don't know. There's just something. I just love that movie. And I've mentioned this before on social media. Every year, and I mean, you know, I'm coming from a place that, you know, I, I love my wife. I'm happily married and everything. But every year when I watch that movie, I, I fall in love with Donna Reed. I just, I just, there's something with that movie. I just love it. And the fact that George just gives up all of his dreams, he gives up everything, you know, to stay at, you know, in the, in the town. And I don't know. I just, I love that movie a lot. And I just mentioned to my wife the other day, I'm like, oh, I wonder if we could get the kid. And I said it kind of jokingly because I said, can we get the kids to watch this? Like, there's no way my kids would watch a black and white movie, you know, two and a half hours long. But oh, I just, something about it I love. Okay. Another movie. Tell me if you regularly watch this one. Home Alone. I saw it once. I didn't like it. I've never watched it again. Really? Jeez, you, you, I think I'm really coming to the uh, conclusion that you're the Grinch. I, th- I really think you actually have green fur all over your body. Um, As I've never seen the Grinch, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Right? So, <laughs> so Home Alone, you didn't really care for it. So obviously, you don't. I, watch I watched it on video, like maybe. 10 years ago and I thought I'm like I don't understand what the big deal is about this and it's like yeah pass not interested the cartoony violins and and it is Christmassy I don't know it's got some good messages to it okay what about here's one going way back I know you're probably not going to connect with this one but A Christmas Carol there's been lots of different incarnations of it over the years but A Christmas Carol Uh, I not something I would watch every year I honestly don't know if I've ever watched any version of the Christmas Carol movie that's called A Christmas Carol in its entirety. The best one I would recommend is the one from 51 with Alastair Sim, I think is the best one. But the, the, I mean, the message of the movie isn't the best. It's basically the only way we can get rich people to care about being kind and helping other people is scaring the bejesus out of them with ghosts. <laughs> it was probably not a great Christmas message, but um, okay, here's one. Scrooged. I was going to say, this leads nicely into Screws with Bill Murray. This one is on my watch list. I watch it every Christmas. It's pretty good. Usually, I I don't watch it. I listen to it while I'm wrapping Christmas presents. For some reason, it's one of those movies that I find the dialogue is really, for me, what what makes it great. And Mm -hmm. knowing that I've seen it a bunch of times. So it's one of those ones that I know I don't have to visually watch every scene to, to get the humor of it and to get the message of it. So usually, I put that on as my, quote unquote, background music while I'm wrapping Christmas gifts. So I have already watched that or rather listened to it once this Christmas season. Okay, what about Elf? Uh, I was, I, I have watched. I just watched it tonight, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay, so, so it's a, it's a newer it's been, one that's right in your yeah. Wheelhouse. It's been on TV. It's on TV every Christmas because it's relatively new and it really hits a broad audience. And it's like you know, it's very much a family friendly movie. And uh, I, I find over the course of Christmas, I tend to see. Bits and pieces of it, like seven, eight, nine times between American Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I usually make a point of sitting down to watch it start to finish in its entirety at least once. And I did that. I did that tonight before the show. It's John Favreau, isn't it? It is. And actually, so interesting. uh, So one of the shows that we've talked about on Netflix documentary series Mm -hmm. is called there's one. Do I need to play the drop again? No, please don't. Um, there's one that's called, uh, it's called the toys that made us. And then there's movies that made us. And it's that same sort of thing. So they've got one that just came out. That's the Christmas movies that made us. And there's two episodes. One is the nightmare before Christmas. And the other one is elf. So I watched the one on elf and it was okay, but they only had a chance to interview like a lot of the behind the scenes people and they weren't able to interview Favreau or any of the actors. So like there's really nobody famous in it. It's like the the producer and the, the casting director and the writer who I guess are all famous in their field, but are not people that are like movie star famous. So, you, you know, it's I felt it really took away from it because they kept cutting to scenes from the movie when they would talk about Will Ferrell. They would show pictures of him from the movie or they would talk about James Caan. They cut to pictures of him from the movie. It's like. Yeah, yeah, and they kept showing the same scenes over and over, so I, I didn't really feel it was really worth the 45 minutes, although I did learn a couple of things about how the movie came together. I, I didn't really feel it was a, a good presentation. Given how good the other episodes are about the toys, this one really just seemed to fall flat for me. All right, I have one last movie I'm going to throw okay. at you. 
a Christmas story. So I definitely watch this every year, largely because TBS has a tradition where they show it nonstop on a loop, 24 hours a day, starting a Christmas. They do, and, don't they? That's right. I forgot about that. <clears throat> so, I, I mean, this is always this one I love right from a, you know, remember seeing it when I was really young. The whole, I didn't know what it was called for a long time. It's like, well, what's that one about? You'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your Ralphie. eye out. Ralphie. Ralphie, you'll shoot your eye out. And then, of course, the actor that played Ralphie has a cameo in the movie Elf, which I thought was a nice little wink, wink. To, to, you know, to give them that shout out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Christmas Story, I, I watch every year. Um, and a friend of mine, I think it was shot in Cleveland, if I remember. And a friend of mine went to Cleveland a few years ago. And one of the things that he insisted that his uh, family do is go and see the Christmas Story house when it had the leg lamp in it. It's Frigile. It's Italian. <laughs> the thing I remember about it, too, is when I did my undergraduate degree, um, I went to Brock University in St. Catharines. And a lot of the movie was shot in St. Catharines. And because it was Bob Clark, he's Canadian. And right around the corner from the house that I lived in with my roommates, just, just like right up the street and around the corner was the school that they shot a lot of nice. the school scenes, like even where the, the kid put his tongue a on A double the, dog dare you. Yeah. A triple dog dare you. All right. So I've got one for you. I just started a new holiday tradition. It's probably been going on for about the last three years. Um, so about three years ago, my mother-in-law was over here at the house right before Christmas and I think her and my wife were like, they were in the other end, they were talking about something or other. So I decided I'd make myself a rum and eggnog and I go in the living room and I put Die Hard on the TV. And my wife comes in and she's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, I'm watching Die Hard. And she's like, what's that? And I filed for divorce. Have you ever seen Die Hard before? Yeah, I filed for divorce right away. I'm just kidding. Uh, so I, I try to take these opportunities to educate her you know, about pop culture. I, I, sometimes I think she grew up under a rock. I don't know. But anyway, so she joined me and we watched Die Hard together. And guess what? She, she it. loved it. Good. She thought it was great. And she's like, how have I never seen this movie before? It's so good. So then the next year we put the kids to bed we poured two rum and eggnogs and we watched Die Hard again. And just like two nights ago, Derek, we watched it for the third year in a row. So it's, it, nice. this is becoming a new pop culture tradition, you know, at the holiday time for me. Anytime I can educate someone on a great piece of Gen X pop culture, I consider it a win. And this has been one of my better wins in recent years. There you go. Yeah, Die Hard is it. So I, I too, consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, despite what some of the haters are going to say. And if you disagree, we'll agree to disagree. Um, but I, I think Die Hard is should be classified as a Christmas movie as well. It takes place in Christmas. And we watch it every year at Christmas or around Christmas. And it, again, it's usually on TV in pretty heavy rotation. So that usually helps us uh, decide. And um, yeah, I've watched. I mean, I've probably seen that first Die Hard movie 30 times or more. It's, it's definitely a, a favorite of mine. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay, so I've got one I want to throw at you. And this is a this is a pop culture tradition for a lot of people. It never was for me. Well, hang on, Chris. Yep. Is this going to be about more movies? Because yes. I want to add a couple of movies. No, sure, okay. go ahead. Okay, so I had a list of five Christmas movies that I watch every year. You've already okay. hit on four of them. All right. Uh, uh, you mentioned A Christmas Story already. Let me ask you, uh, side note, they did a sequel to A Christmas Story. Do you know what it's called? Have you ever seen it? No, I'm not even aware of it. It was called Ollie Hopnoodle's Haven of Bliss, and it takes place the summer after A Christmas Story. They recast Ralphie, but it has the same well, parents. Well, with that title, who wouldn't know that's the sequel? Yeah. yeah. Don't call it, it was, Christmas Story 2. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I what remember did, we had What it the hell was the name of it? Say it again. Ollie Hopnoodle's Haven of Bliss. What the hell did they call it that? I don't know. But uh, oh we had it for rental at our Blockbuster video store. Oh and I can remember a guy used to come in every so often and be like, has this video rented at all in a while? And we'd look it up. We were like, no. He's like, would you be willing to sell it to me? Because that was part of the Blockbuster business model is if your movie haven't rented X number of times over X number of months, you sell it off for $4 to make space on the shelf. Right. Right. And so he would always come in and go, hey, is this rented? Is this? And for whatever reason, it rented just the minimum, bare minimum amount that we could never sell it to him. And it was one of these ones that it was never a big movie, so it was not available for purchase otherwise. And we finally asked him, we're like, why do you keep asking about this movie? And he said, it's the sequel to A Christmas Story, which of course then everyone on staff had to rent it, which meant he wasn't gonna be able to buy it for a long time. He's never gonna be able to buy it now. It went way up. It's like, wow, this movie's rented 20 times in the movie. Oh you know? man. 
bad. So yeah, it was not a great movie. Um, I want to say that they recast Ralphie, and I, I, I could be wrong. I'd have to look this up. It's been a long time. Was Jerry O'Connor, the fat kid from Stand By Me? Yep, yep. Ended up marrying Rebecca Romaine. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was the one they recast as Ralphie. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's just an interesting little side piece of useless trivia. The other Christmas movie that we watch with, it's always our first one. When we're like, are we going to watch Christmas movies? Yes. Right. Okay, we sit down and we watch Love Actually. Have you seen Love Actually? I have not seen it, no. It, it gets mixed reviews from people. It's another one that's a little long. I think it runs about two hours and 10. And I think you could probably trim about 15 minutes out of it to really tighten it up. But it's a who's who of British cinema in the early 2000s. And it, it's this series of eight or 10 different stories that it, it, that all take place around Christmas. Like the movie starts, I think it's five or six, like they throw up the title card, six weeks to Christmas and then a little five weeks to Christmas. And so it's this countdown to Christmas. So all these stories are happening and it's this examination of, of the various forms of love uh, that are happening between friends and relatives. Like there's a, there's a, a man whose wife has died and he's got to connect with her son because, you know, it's his stepson and now it's just the two of them. There's, there's, uh, you know, uh, a guy who meets a girl on the job, like at work and he's like gets a crush on her and then it's like the the older couple where the dad is like falling for a woman in his office and it's like you know uh there's a guy who's in love with his best friend's wife and it's and but the, the husband and wife are newlyweds who are very happily married so he's like suppressing these feelings for because you know it's not cool to hit on your friend's wife but it's this interesting uh, look at all these different ways of of familial love and romantic love and love for one's fellow man. And there's a guy, uh, one of the funnier storylines is it's this old age rock and roll star who does like the cover of a Christmas song. And he's trying to like make a comeback for one last comeback in his life. And he decides I'm just gonna be brutally honest. So he starts doing a promotional tour and he's answering like all these ridiculous questions. It's just, it adds this whole line of humor through the whole thing. It's uh it's isn't, good. Um, I really isn't Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead in that movie? Yeah, he's he's one of them. Yeah, he's very young, no yeah. beard. Um, yeah, and we went back like so. We watched it a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and you forget certain parts. Like, oh yeah, that guy's in this. Oh that. I think we count. I think it's something like eight Oscar nominees and six Oscar winners are in it. Like it's it's got a ridiculously talented cast, and. Um, Again, it's British, so it's not going to be for everyone. Um, Hugh Grant plays the Prime Minister, which he and again he's pretty good in it. It's good casting on that one, and uh, that that's one of the ones that I uh, I enjoy the most around Christmas is Love Actually. It's it's one we watch every single year, and uh, that's that's the pretty much the top of my my Christmas movie traditions. It starts with Love Actually, and then we make sure we hit Die Hard, Elf, Christmas Story, and Scrooge. And if we can throw some more in there. Great. Well, everything that we've mentioned so far has been stuff we watch on video, right? Or watch at home. But, you know, one thing that a lot of people do on Christmas Day is go to the movies. And now I never did this, but from what I've heard, it's quite the tradition to actually go to the movie theater on Christmas Day. Absolutely. Um, You know, I was, I guess, until COVID this year, obviously. But Derek, did you ever go to the movies on Christmas Day? So... Two two streams of thought on that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, typically the way Christmas has worked in my house is wake up Christmas, assuming, you know, wake up Christmas Day and do all the gift. Ex- you know, everyone gets up and has a coffee and all that. And then you do your gift exchange and open presents. Then my mother would always make the biggest breakfast you ever saw in your whole life. Then she would say, everyone get the hell out of my way. I'm going to clean up for I'm going to finish cleaning up the Christmas stuff and I'm going to start doing like the breakfast stuff. And I'm going to start working on the turkey dinner. And then so you'd have like five hours between the the brunch and the dinner where mom was like get the hell out of my way i don't want anyone interfering with what i'm doing and so we're like well let's what are we go gonna school. do and uh, a lot of the the film production companies realized that if their movie is going to be positioned well to win awards like the academy awards and the oscars for best picture and such voters tend to have a short memory so you want to release your movie as late in the year as possible so that it's top of mind when they go to vote for which movie they liked the best. So what typically happens is on or around Christmas, all these gigantic movies come out, all the ones that are positioned to be, quote, the best movie of the year. And there is usually at least one family movie tacked in there somewhere, be it a cartoon or otherwise. And there's usually one comedy where people realize – all the Oscar ones are all dramas. Sometimes people just want to go to the theater and have fun. And so every year at Christmas for like 20 years in a row, 
between 12 noon and say five, six o'clock at night, we knew we were not welcome to be anywhere near the kitchen in my mom's house. We would just go to see a movie. And sometimes if we could manage it, we would see two. And it was always like, this one's going to be nominated for an Oscar. Or I can remember one year we went and saw Anchorman 2. Because um, again, it's like we, we had just watched all these long, boring dramas. It's like, let's just go see something funny. Um, so always, always, always we went and saw a movie on Christmas Day. Um, and But before that, I used to work at Blockbuster Video. Blockbuster Video was open every day of the year, 365 days. So we used to work on Christmas Day. Blockbuster was open from noon until eight. So you could get one long eight hour shift. And we we're like, yeah, you get up, you do your presents, you eat your breakfast. And it's like, I'm going to work because we always got paid double time to work on Christmas Day. So it was it was one of the most coveted shifts of the year. Really? And because like people it was so, actually wanted to work that day oh, because it of the was money. arguably the busiest day of the year which made the shift go by lightning fast, but it was the same thing. Nothing else was open. Everybody was looking for something to do between I've opened my presents and I'm gonna eat dinner later in the evening. And in a lot of cases, people had relatives over and it's like, I don't wanna to talk to my in-laws or I have people over <laughs> that, I, you know, my, my sister's husband and his kid, I don't know who these people are. My grandma brought her new boyfriend. It's like, I don't wanna to talk to any of these people. This is just awkward. Let's go rent some movies. Right. And yeah, the video store was, it was hopping. Like it was, it was, absolutely the busiest day so for the four or five years i worked at blockbuster christmas day was like the shift to have so so those are sort of my movie christmas day movie traditions like going back to the movies that were released in theaters you know it's funny because you know if you look at some of the movies that debuted on christmas day things like django unchained in 2012 and ali in 2001 dream girls came out on christmas day and wolf of wall street in 2013 and again they were all kind of that um award fodder that you mentioned yeah. that's a really good point um i'm glad you mentioned how christmas day you kind of want to avoid <laughs> some people in your family yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you spent a lot of time with your in-laws around the holidays um <laughs> even if you did i don't know if you'd be an honest as honest my, as my father-in-law is scottish <laughs> he's a ton of fun to be around on christmas because right. he's he's gotten into the christmas cheer and he's usually a lot of fun to be around Every year, I have to go to my wife's side of the family for Christmas Day. And how do I delicately say this? Let's just say that um, her uncles are those traditional kind of, you know, uncles that have certain views, certain worldviews that don't align with my own. It's are they the like version. drunk uncle from Saturday Night Live? Yeah, it's more like, you know, like there's a lot of... Um, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. I don't want to get in trouble. Let's just say that there's a lot, there's a lot of things that they say and their worldview is not exactly, you know, the same as mine. So I've established my own Christmas tradition and every year I slink off upstairs into the spare room and I put on showcase. It's the Canadian movie channel in case anyone doesn't know. And Every year on Showcase, they run a marathon of the original Star Wars trilogy. Nice. So not only do I get to avoid the racist uncles, I get to watch Star Wars every Christmas. And I drink beer, too. So it's like it's great. Like two of my favorite things, Star Wars and beer and no racist uncles. So one of my least favorite things. So it kind of <laughs> all works out. So every year it's become, you know, since I got married, I watched the Star Wars original trilogy every single year. So that's been my thing. Um, we're, we're getting ready right down to the, maybe the last one here. So do you, do you have anything else you want to mention before I get to mine? So I think the only other thing I want to mention, not even that it's so much pop culture, is just um, one of my personal Christmas traditions is, as I mentioned a few times already, I don't have little kids. I don't have kids. And I have I have one brother who also doesn't have kids. So it, what Christmas at my parents' house, it's like everybody's grownups. There's no children to go around. So it sort of changes what you can and can't do around Christmas time when you don't have to worry about um, – Influence, you know, unduly influencing little kids by doing and saying inappropriate things. But at the same time, you know, you, you can have a more grown up time of it. Um, I mean, I certainly sometimes feel like we're maybe missing out. You don't have the, 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 you know, the sort of the magic of Christmas through the eyes of children. But I mean, it is what it is. So when you when you don't have children 
and you don't have a family where there are children, you don't necessarily have to be at home at Christmas. So for years and years now, my family has traveled a lot at Christmas. And I don't know if people mm. have ever had this opportunity to take a vacation over Christmas time, but you can get some amazing deals to some fantastic places because the vast majority of people seem to want to be at home and they have little children. They want to be with their kids and the magic of Christmas. And that's all well and good. And that's great and power to you. And I hope you've had a, a you know happy holidays and all that great stuff. But if that's not you and you're wondering what else you can do at Christmas, I strongly encourage you to look at the opportunities for travel. And for me, I love to gamble, as I might have mentioned once or twice on this <laughs> podcast. And most of my family, we all have like borderline compulsive gambling problems. So we love Las Vegas. And I have had some of my absolute best vacations doing the Las Vegas trip at Christmas time. Unfortunately, can't do it this year because of the travel restrictions, mm -hmm. especially uh, between Canada and the US. But as soon as Vegas opens up and we can fly to Vegas, especially if it's open next Christmas, I'll be in Vegas at Christmas. So I know it's not so much a pop culture thing, but that is the only other Christmas tradition that I, I wanted to share. I have one last one that's becoming a Christmas tradition for me. And anyone that has connected with me on social media knows this. There is one Christmas tradition that I have each and every year. And that is spreading my personal Yuletide love of the YouTube classic, Henrietta and Myrna Newdorf singing Go Tell It on the Mountain. Now, for the uninitiated, it's not just the bad singing, really, really bad singing. The stage presence, the expressions, the fashion, even their names for crying out loud. It's just all inspiring and it, it, it just it's all working for Henrietta and Myrna Newdorf so the television industry in Canada I should mention back in the 80s and 90s it was a very local thing you know and, and back in the 80s there was this television station locally in Winnipeg Manitoba that would run these low budget no talent shows <laughs> and one of them was this religious show that would feature local people coming on and talking about all kinds of things. And they would feature local talent as singers. And I use that term very loosely. And, and one of the very best of the best of these local television shows in Winnipeg was, you know, it was shown around Christmas time, sometime in the late 80s. And it featured these two local Winnipeggers by the name of Henrietta and Myrna Newdorf. And Henrietta was the older aunt and Myrna was this young niece that looked like she looks like she would rather have been anywhere on earth <laughs> besides being next to her aunt singing Go Tell It on the Mountain. It's so bad. It's so bad that it's it's good. And you just know that that the younger girl was like, Aunt Henrietta, I don't want to do this. And Aunt Henrietta was probably like, Oh, don't worry, Myrna. It's local TV. No one will ever see it outside of Winnipeg. And then YouTube years later is like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if you do one thing today, go to YouTube and search Henrietta and Myrna sing, go tell it on the mountain. I'm telling you, you will lose it. It's, it's just become a pop culture staple in my life over the last couple of years. I share it every Christmas season on social media. And it just gets better and better every year. You've obviously seen my post, Derek. I, I saw that it was posted. I didn't really know what it was. I was a little nervous, so I did not click through. But now oh, that you've you now that you've set it up, it. I think when we're done recording, I'm going to go and have to uh, give it a listen. Oh man, just watch it and 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 like I say, just for you listening, just just you go and search it on YouTube. You know, Henrietta and Myrna saying "Go tell it on the mountain." You will you will thank me for it because you will just laugh your ass off. Anyway, on that note, let's have some fun with Caveman. All right, let's have a little bit of fun with some trivia this week. Shall we, okay. my friend? Sure. I think most my people... Christmas trivia is not is not great. I mean, we'll see where we go with this, but uh, honestly, I, I you know, this this is sort of my my weak spot. Everyone okay. has like their areas they're strong and they're weak. Christmassy stuff, holiday stuff, I think we're going to find I'm not going to do that well. But anyway, lay it on me. What do let's you have? For me? Let, let, let's have ourselves a drink, shall we? And like sure. dig into some Christmas trivia. So I think I think a lot of people love trivia and most people love Christmas and, and even more people love movies. 
So we'll do some Christmas movie trivia. What do you think? Okay, you're getting back in my wheelhouse. I yeah, like where I this think is you're going to be fine. All right. In the 2003 John Favreau film Elf, which we've mentioned, so I know Just you're going to do it well. tonight. Yeah. I'm going to nail this. What does Buddy the Elf put on his spaghetti? Maple syrup. See, I told you you're going to do good. Okay, follow-up question. Same movie, what New York City building does his father work in? Empire State Building. You're going to do well. All right. Well, I, I, I sort of cheated. I just watched it like hours ago. Don't know if you're going to get this one because you mentioned you didn't really like it. The classic It's a Wonderful Life. It takes I didn't place. say I didn't like It's a Wonderful Life. I just yeah. said I hadn't seen it recently. Yeah, I haven't seen it recently. Sorry. What is the name of the fictional town that the movie takes place in? Oh, See, it's funny you bring this up because I remember when you were talking about it, you even deliberately didn't say the name of the town. You said the town. That's right. I did not. I don't know. Oh, it's Bedford Falls. Yeah. If you say it is, I believe you. All right. In Joe Dante's 1984 film Gremlins, what folk singer songwriter played the father in the movie? Oh, my God. Uh, that was just on TV. We just watched it. I, I don't know the name of the guy, but he was the later years of the different strokes show. He was the dad of the, the new young little kid that came on. But for the life of me, I can't remember it. It was Hoyt Axton. Sure. Hoyt yeah, Axton. the bathroom buddy. Here's the bathroom buddy. Yeah, although I, it wasn't his best role because his best role ever was A.J. Watson. Jennifer's childhood boyfriend from Rock Throw, West Virginia on WKRP in Cincinnati, baby. You ever remember that episode? Johnny had to pretend to be married to Jennifer. And then I, sings- honestly, I don't remember WKRP that well. It was oh, a little man. before my time. I only remember a few episodes. I remember in he fact, sings. You should lend me your DVD box set so that oh, I can get caught man. up because I can, I don't see I those episodes do on any of my streaming services. So no, you can't find them anywhere. I'll lend it to you. In this episode, uh, Hoyt Axton sings to Johnny. He's like, "I got the knife, you got the gun. Come on, boy, we're gonna have a little fun." It was good. Okay, I got a question for you. Who is put on trial in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street? Uh, wasn't it Santa Claus? Santa Claus. Yes, very good. Okay, in Jingle All the Way, Arnold Schwarzenegger spent the movie trying to get his son a particular toy for Christmas. What was the name of the toy? Turbo Man. You're doing great. I love that movie. That that, that actually holds up pretty well. I watched it last Christmas, and I laughed a lot more than I remembered. Phil Hartman, not in the movie a lot, has some fantastic lines in that. All right, and one of your favorites, the 1983 movie, A Christmas Story. Although the scenes, uh, a lot of scenes of the film were shot in Toronto and St. Catharines. You've already mentioned this. I know you're going to get it. What U.S. city is the movie actually supposed to take place in? Cleveland, Ohio. Very good. All right. Die Hard. Die Hard question for you, all right? What does John McClane write in blood on the sweater of the dead henchman? Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. I'll give it to you. It's now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Very good. Close enough. I just did this with my wife the other day. Oh, well, I, I, I mean, I didn't murder a terrorist and write. I was going to say, what, where are we going sweater. with this? <laughs> but I asked her. You on a bloody sweater and you I, think you have a successful marriage? I think we need to talk. I asked her, I said, hey, in Die Hard, what does he write on the sweater? She's like, I have no idea. I don't remember. My wife doesn't yeah, remember. I, I've seen it 30 times. Yeah. And again, there's a funny robot chicken sketch where the other guys that are with Hans Gruber look in the elevator and he mm-hmm. goes, how come he gets a machine gun? I want a machine gun. And they're like, what are you getting me for Christmas? Well, clearly not a machine gun because he's the only one who gets one of those. So. <laughs> there you go. All right. Home Alone. We talked about that today. Macaulay Culkin was obviously left home alone in Chicago. But what city? was his family heading to when they forgot him at home? I don't know. How should I know? Florida somewhere. No, it's Paris. They were going to Paris. All right. When Culkin was forgot again in Home Alone 2, lost in New York. Because that's a mistake you make more than once, apparently. Of course. Well, you do when you want to make money and, you know, in sequels. Sure. What future U.S. president makes a cameo? Obama. No, it's President Trump. Right. 
Oh, I remember when Canadian TV uh, made the president and his son mad when they ran a version of the movie with his scene cut out of it. You remember that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Funny. Don Jr. went on this rant that it was like politically motivated. Meanwhile, it was an old cut of the film for TV that was done back in 2014 before he even announced he was running. Which goes to show, actually, that it, that it wasn't politically motivated. Canadians have just hated that guy since long before he became president. So, okay, Trading Places. We forget about that one, Derek. Would you call that a Christmas? I guess so. Yeah, because it takes place at Christmas. You know, I think people yeah. forget about that one. Okay, I'll the, give you that. Yeah, because he's dressed as Santa yeah. when he comes and breaks back in. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. All right, the Dukes made a bet to yeah. see what would happen if Ackroyd and Murphy switch places in real life. Derek, yeah. how much money was the bet for? A hundred million. You know, it was worth one dollar. They gave that one dollar. That's correct. All right. And finally, in what Christmas movie? This is you're going to nail this one. In what Christmas movie did brothers Bill, John, Joel, and Brian Doyle appear together in? Are those the character names or the actor names? No, the actor names. The real knife names. Sorry, give them to me again, please. Bill. John, Joel, and Brian Doyle. Well, I know Bill Murray's got a brother, something Doyle, so I gotta think it's the it's it's Scrooge. You are correct. Yes, those are all the Murray brothers. Very good. Nice. I didn't I didn't realize that there were that many of them. Yeah, there's four of them. I saw um Joel Murray in um Who's Live Anyway. We went to see that. So, they, they, you know, who's, who, whose line is it anyway? Yeah. The TV show? Well, they, they I, went out on tour. And Joel I always Murray remember him from uh, Wayne's World. He was the owner of uh, Noah, Noah Van No, that was Noah's Brian Arcade. Doyle Murray. Oh, which one am I? Th- which one are you talking about? Joel. So Joel Murray is the guy. You probably wouldn't know him unless you saw him. He was in One Crazy Summer. Do you remember that movie? I, I, I do. I know that movie. So he was, he, was, he, was, he was in that movie. Was he the fat friend of Hoops? Yes. Yes. Okay, I know that guy. Yeah. And then John Murray is the guy from um, Moving Violations. Mm, I haven't seen that one since the 80s. Anyway, so uh, anyway, that's that. Um, One thing I want to mention before we take off. Every year around this time, we usually take a little bit of a break over the holidays. I don't think anyone really listens to podcasts over Christmas and New Year's anyway, do they? Well, if you're looking for an excuse to get away from your in-laws and you're like, I have to listen to my favorite episode of Pop Goes the World and I can't miss it. it so. <laughs> so they could do that. But that's, that's what we like to think they do. Anyway, <laughs> I just watch Star Wars. I just go upstairs and hide there. Um, so we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to recharge our batteries. We're going to come back in the new year with a with a look back on 2020. Man, 2020 sucked. But we'll yeah, I don't know back. if that's going to be a really short episode, a really long episode. It might be an episode where we got to really dig deep. We should we should go back. This homework for you and I. Mm-hmm. We should go back and and re-listen to parts, at least the intro part of every show we did in 2020, and like count how many times Derek watched a documentary. And I got to you know we can do an over and under. So we did probably what a show a week, 52 weeks. Let's say we missed a few for break. Let's say if we did 45 shows. Uh, how many of those shows do you think I talked about a documentary? If I set the over under at say 35, do you think I talked about more, th- more or less than 35 documentaries in the last calendar year? Oh, I would say probably more. You think more? Yeah, I think so. Seemed to happen every week. It happened so much that we had to do this. For 40 days and 40 nights, we watched documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's documentaries. Derek's documentary. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to do the Wayne's World. Derek's World. Derek's <laughs> That's the one you want to do. <laughs> yeah, so on. we'll come back in the new year. We'll take a look back on, on 2020 from a pop culture perspective. That's for sure. But until then, this is Chris McBride for Derek Meyer saying Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And thanks for all your support over the last year. For all of us here at Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 